Welcome to the Faith Christian Church Podcast. You're listening to a message from one of our many gatherings that we have throughout the week. For more information on service times, ways that you can be a part of the work that God is doing in our communities, and so much more, you can visit our website at faithchristianwi.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Worship style type churches for years were criticized for their lack of content in their music and I might have agreed with that in the past but lately a lot of these songs are just absolutely outstanding that the the message in them the the power of the cross and his blood saving us it just beautiful so anyway just that's just my little thing I'm just excited I love good worship and we have such beautiful people helping us do it we're very thankful hey we do have a a couple of really neat announcements coming up uh, of things coming up For all of our young people, we have Crave Summer Camp. All right. That was really good. Whoever did that, that was great. But uh, uh, anyway, all of our our youth, uh, it is going to be a great... Here's the camp dates for those of you that are interested. It is June 6th through the 13th. And we would love to have any young people there at the Crave Youth Camp. It's going to be a great opportunity to get together, get to know kids, work with kids, and really be able to focus on some real spiritual advancement for these kids. And it's a great time for fun, and I know they had a great time last year. The reason we're announcing it tonight is after the 28th of May, you can still go, but there's a price jump. So we need to get you registered as soon as we can. And if you know somebody that should go, wants to go, is interested in going, uh, please talk tonight to Pastor Jordan or Carrie. I know that they're over in the youth center, but uh, you can find them. Talk to me or Pastor Aaron and we'll direct you if you need to. So that's coming up. And uh, we'd love to get you connected with that. And speaking of connected, Sunday, June the 3rd, we will be doing a Connect class. Our Connect class is a welcome for all of you who are new. It is an opportunity for you to get to know just a little bit more about us and us to know a little bit more about you. And what we hope that this uh, will be for us is an opportunity for you to say, yes, I would like to be involved and I would like to begin serving here, doing things and working uh, with the church. And we would love to have you there. If you just have questions, great opportunity. It is 8.30 on Sunday, June 3rd. Sunday, June 3rd. And yes, we can welcome you to sign up on our welcome desk out in the lobby. And we would, uh, it's an exciting time and we would love to have you to be a part of it. And then following that up on Sunday, June 10th, we are planning a baptism service here at church. Anybody here following Jesus, want to be a Christian, made a commitment to Christ and, and you have not of your own will or accord been chosen to be baptized we would love to help you through that experience and again there's a sign up for that and even if you have questions you know you don't have to sign up like you know you're signing your life away for these things but what it will get you an opportunity to do is for us to talk with you about it and then you can ask some questions and it's a great connection point so we hope that you'll do that all right tonight we are going to continue our service series our series this month called all in everyone say all in in. it's a phrase that's often used in in today's world we're all in for any number of things projects or events we're talking about being all in for God what does that look like 
What does that look like practically, spiritually, for my family, with my faith, for our finances, for our future? What does it look like to be all in? What, what, you know, is it, is it just a feeling? Is it coming to church and singing louder? Uh, what does it look like? We're going to talk about that. Tonight, we're going to be speaking about the anatomy of a miracle. All in for a miracle. We're going to read a famous, wonderful Bible story where a miracle happened. And we're going to try to bring that forward into our modern life today and examine what might it look like when God wants to do something really amazing with us. Would you join me in a prayer before we continue anymore tonight? Lord Jesus, tonight we come before you and, and we're in awe of you. We are so thankful for what you have done on that cross, what you have done in, in coming to earth and, and allowing wicked people to crucify you all for us. We thank you for your resurrection with which opened heaven for us and we thank you for your grace. And now we pray that you would extend your hand of grace in a very special way to help these next moments that we have together as we look into the word, to help them to be truly helpful, to be really inspiring, and, and to help to open our understanding in our eyes and our ears of our hearts so that we would know you better and would be able to embrace you more thoroughly. We ask your help now in the name of Jesus. And everyone said? Amen. All right. All in for a miracle. And I just want to ask tonight as we're beginning is we've got a, a great group of people here tonight. So uh, I just want you to shout out, if you will, in a moment. What is what is your favorite Bible story? You know, I don't care which one it is. Let's just hear some. Go ahead and shout some out. Joseph. Great. I heard that. Daniel. Excellent. David. David's got quite a few. Excellent. Job. All right. That, that's a good one. What's that? Ruth. Any others? Jesus. Jesus. All right. I think. All right. That's great. So all these Bible stories, we mentioned Daniel and you guys were short. I, I mentioned on purpose, but we think of Daniel in the lion's den and David and Goliath and, and all these stories. I ask you to think about some because what we want to look at tonight is we're going to read the story of a miracle that happened in the Bible. And I want us to look at it more than surface level, meaning that we're, we're going to look at not just what happened, but why it happened and how it happened. Because although we can't reproduce the exact situation and uh, circumstances of, of the Bible, we often find ourselves in the what and the why that the same people in the Bible did. And I really would like us to look at that because I think it's going to be uh, exciting and, and probably insightful as we go forward. And, and I use the word anatomy of a miracle uh, loosely, but I, I want you to think before we even read the story of these two things that if, if God is to do a miracle, let, Let's just back that word up a little bit because sometimes in our in some people's religious tradition a miracle is is something that is so far out there that we just really can't grasp it. Let's just use this word. If God today in your life is going to do something amazing and unique and special in your life. What is that going to look like? 
What is it going to look like? And here's the two things I want you to think about before we read. Number one, if he's going to do that special work, that miracle, he's going to do probably a miracle for you, but he's also going to be doing a miracle in you. It's really important that we understand that if God's going to do something really special, he may do something really special for you, but he's also very interested in doing really something special in you. And that will be our story tonight. Uh, the scripture we're going to read is found in the book of First Kings in the Old Testament and chapter number 17. This is one of my favorite chapters with one of my favorite Bible stories. And the story is of the great prophet Elijah. Now we're not going to read the whole chapter or the whole section I was going to, but for the sake of time, let me just give you a touch of background and uh, 1 Kings 17. Elijah was a great prophet. He was sent to the nation of Israel, which was half of the kingdom of God's people. This nation had been sinning in, in ways that is, are hard to comprehend. They had, they had left the commandments of God. They had gone their own way. They had become idolatrous. And, and practically, in all practical terms, they were living a very pagan and hedonistic lifestyle. Uh, the king himself embracing that lifestyle. Elijah the prophet comes on the scene and he makes a pronouncement. And he walks into the court of the king and he said, thus says the Lord, there will be no dew and no rain for a number of years until I give the word. And he walks out. And we think, you know, well, he's calling for a famine. That's true. Uh, interestingly enough, the pagan god that the Israelites were attracted to in that day was the agricultural god that the people of the land had embraced for centuries. It was the god or the pagan god Baal. Baal, to the farmers of their day, was called the god of the rain and the dew. And so Elijah knew exactly what he was doing. He was going right to the heart of their paganism and their false worship and said, you think he's the God of rain and dew? There will be no rain or dew, thus says the Lord, until I give the word. And he walked out. And there wasn't any rain and dew. And I'm sure he got laughed at. I'm sure he got ridiculed. I'm sure people thought, yeah, wow, no big deal. But a month goes by and then three and then six, and then a year, and then two years, and then three years, and then three and a half years, and there's no rain. The story ended with Elijah having a great confrontation with these false prophets of Baal, and, and God, the Lord God of heaven, triumphing, showing himself to be God, and bringing forth a real victory for himself and his people. Even though that's a beautiful story, the story we're looking at is found sandwiched in the middle of that. Because Elijah was the one that with, by God's direction called for a famine. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Because if he's calling for a famine on the whole land, guess where he lives? In that land. So even though he's the man of God and he calls for God's judgment on the land, he's also in the situation where he's gonna be in need 
because of the very judgment that he called for. Are you following me? It, it wasn't like there's going to be a little miniature cloud of rain that follows Elijah around on his garden and it all grows and everybody, it didn't work that way. And so Elijah was called by God after this famine. God said, Elijah, I want you to go by this certain brook called Cherith, which is a feeder brook to the Jordan River. And he said, I want you to stay there. I've commanded the ravens to feed you there, which so out of a wild, encouraging miracle, Elijah, for a period of time, drank water out of the brook. And every morning and every evening, these ravens would bring him food. And that happened for a period of months. And then the brook dried up because there's no rain. And now he's looking at sand. And this is where the next part of the story picks up in verse 8. And it says, then the word of the Lord came to him. Arise, go to Zarephath. Now you should know geographically Zarephath, the, 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 the brook where Elijah was, was just south of or around the Sea of Galilee. Zarephath is north and west. It's on the shore of the Mediterranean. It's not in Israel. It's in Sidon which is a very pagan and non-godly nation. Today it would be in Lebanon. So he's got a hike and he goes all the way to Zarephath. He said, arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, we'll just read the story as it goes on now. When he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I might drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives. And she must have known Elijah's reputation because she, she knew who he was. As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I might go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. The language is telling. I'm gathering a couple of sticks. I've got a handful of flour and a little oil. And, and you can tell without being very deep at all that she doesn't have a lot of hope going on in her life. She said, we're going to bake this last little cake. We're going we're to make our pancake. And then that's it. From there on out, we're going to starve. There's no more food. And there's no way to get food in this whole land. Verse number 13. Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first... Bake me a little cake and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, your God of Israel, the jar of flour will not be spent and the jug of oil will not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent Neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. 
I'd like us to look at this miracle a little deeper. It's pretty obvious what happened. It's real clear by the narrative. But I want us to think a little bit more about the what and the why and the how of the, what happened here. Because I think, I think though we may not be in a famine, all of us at some point in our life are going to find something that we need God to do for us because without it, we're going to be in trouble. Whatever that something is for you, let's call that your miracle, what it, what it is that you need from God. And I have some observations I want to look at here in these next couple minutes. And one of them is this, a miracle for you always includes other people. I'd like you to say other people, everybody. A miracle for you is never just a miracle for you. Elijah, I don't know if you appreciate this, and, and I don't know how I can, but the the story here, the obscurity to go from central Israel, walk all the way north and all the way west to the coast to get to a foreign nation. There's no Jewish people living there. And to get to this pagan city and to go there and find a widow. And God said, go there. I have commanded a widow there to supply for you. Doesn't that seem just a little bit elaborate? I mean, if he was going to do a miracle and multiply flour for Elijah, couldn't he have just made bread appear every morning? I mean, did, did it really have to be so involved? Well, we can't answer that. But the truth is, a miracle for Elijah wasn't just for Elijah, and it wasn't just about Elijah. It was about the widow and her son and her household, and it was about creating a story in the Bible that we can tell to our kids today, and they go, wow, that is cool. Thousands of years later, this story jumps off the pages, and we think, what an awesome God. What a great story. But if God would have just made bread appear every time somebody needed it, that story wouldn't be the same. So a miracle for you always includes other people. And in this story, there are three people involved. And I want to look at each of them and what they did. First of all, we have Elijah. What was Elijah doing? He was doing God's work. We would say it this way. He was doing the right thing. Wouldn't you admit with me, I, I hope this is true of us, but uh, of us all, but when you get yourself in a really tight spot, you're in trouble and things aren't working out at all don't you often go to God and say God am I doing something wrong how many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean I do that I mean if I that's the first thing I do if we're facing trouble need whatever it might be you know it's not that I you know lack confidence but I want to make sure I'm not the one messing this up God am I doing something wrong well Elijah was in trouble he was in a famine and God was bringing him food through ravens, which was pretty fascinating. And then the brook dries up and he could have thought, well, now what? Well, go to Zarephath. Okay. So he gets there. Why all this trouble? What did he do wrong? Elijah could have said, God, I obeyed you. You told me to go and speak to the king and challenge this nation for sinning against God. And I did it. And what did I get for it? Hungry. <laughs> Thirsty in trouble, my own people not liking me. Elijah was doing God's work. He was facing his need, not because of what he did wrong, but because of what he did right. Isn't it true? There was a famine in the land because he did the right thing. 
And the beauty of God's provision and his miracles is that our need is never the end of the story. Our need is something we go through, not something we stay in. Elijah was facing his need because of his obedience, not in spite of it. Then there was the widow, the widow from Zarephath, Lebanon today, pagan nation. We don't know anything about her other than the fact that Jesus mentioned her and he got the Jewish people of his day very angry when he said, weren't there many widows in the in the land of Israel during the time of Elijah? Why was this pagan woman from Sidon? Why was she? Why did she get the miracle? Jesus said that. So she was out of the loop and God picked her from this pagan land and culture. And then last, the last person involved was God. He had a story to tell. He had hearts to touch. You see, his people had gone so far from him that he wanted to arrange a time to talk to them through Elijah. But they're not listening when things are well. But after three and a half years of no rain, when Elijah said, tell all the people to assemble, they assembled and they came. So the famine wasn't so much a punishment, but it was God saying, I need to talk to you and you're not going to listen until, until things get a little more serious. I believe it was C.S. Lewis that said, God whispers to us when our life is filled with pleasure and he shouts when we're in pain. But the truth is his volume never changes. We just listen better when things aren't going so well. So the widow from Zarephath and God called for the famine. I want you to think about this. God prepared in both cases for Elijah to be provided for. I don't know what it looks like to have ravens bring you. It said they brought him bread and flesh. You know, it's, a, it's just like a sandwich, you know, whatever. But they brought him bread and they brought him meat and they brought it to him every morning and every evening. How did that happen? I don't know. Maybe there was a bakery that had, you know, <laughs> the birds came in and swooped down and took some every morning. I don't know. But one thing I know is it took some preparation. It just didn't accidentally drop something out of the sky. God prepared for Elijah's provision long before Elijah even knew he would need it. And God prepared a widow. He said, I've commanded, I've prepared this widow to take care of you. His preparation was astounding. So in terms of their preparation and what they did, what did Elijah do? A couple of thoughts. Doing God's work and doing the right thing doesn't exempt you from trouble and need. Sometimes it gets you in trouble because you did the right thing. And if you'll keep doing the right thing, you'll get out of trouble and you'll get to the place where God wants you to be. The danger for us, and I have seen it and been tempted with it, is when you do do the right thing and you do get in trouble, when you're in trouble, you get discouraged and you back away from God. And now you've got trouble and no faith because you left it there. Don't do that. Listening to God is important. Elijah needed to be in the right place where God told him to be. First the birds and the brook, then the widow. Elijah needed to do what God told him to do and he did. For the widow, I want you to think about the state of affairs that she was in. Handful of flour, a little bit of oil, nothing in the stores, nothing in the markets, and no money. 
and no rain and nothing to buy. And obviously, that was her outward state. Inwardly, she was hopeless. She said, I'm gathering a few sticks. I got a handful. You know, you can just hear the, 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 the tone. I'm gathering a few sticks. I got a handful of flour here. He said, well, bake me a cake. What? What? State of affairs for her, she was ready to starve. This was her last meal. She was just going to bake it up and say, okay, well, no more decisions to make. It's over. One thing we would say about her today is that she would have been a victim in this famine. And she saw herself as that without question. I have nothing. I've got a few sticks, a little flour, and a little oil. We're going to die. How are you doing today? We're going to die. We have nothing. And along comes into her life this prophet that she recognized because she said, the Lord, your God. She, she knew him. He had to have a reputation. And of all the people in the whole world, the Elijah the prophet with his, with his woolen garment and his long beard and, hair, beard and hair, with his reputation for having caused this famine, stumbles into her little village and walks up to her house. And he said, hey, can you give me a little water, please? Sure. By the way, can you give me some bread, something to eat? And that's when it all turned around. You see, here's what happens. That, that this story was a miracle waiting to happen. This was not a tragedy to be averted. This was God's miracle waiting to happen. But that miracle is not happening as long as she stays the victim. That miracle is not happening if Elijah doesn't help her change her mind. Remember, a miracle for you doesn't just involve you. The real story here was Elijah's willingness to try to get inside her head and heart and help her see what she really needed to do to connect with this God. God wasn't coming to this woman to point out her need, to make her feel bad, or to take advantage of the little flower she had left to give it to the prophet. He wasn't doing that. He came to her life to offer her a chance to get in the narrative of his spiritual story. He came to her life and said, you may be a pagan woman from a nation excluded from my people, but not anymore. I'm going to use you. I'm going to save you and your family. And I'm going to use you to create a miracle story that people will be talking about thousands of years later. I've chosen you. But she didn't feel very chosen. She felt like a victim. We're going to die here. My son and I have nothing. So when Elijah said, go and bake me a little cake first. Everyone say first. Now here's where this all comes together. Because none of us are going to have those special moments with God. Call it a miracle. Call it your special thing. Call it your deliverance. Call it whatever it is. Whatever it is that you need from God and you're seeking him for it. You say, God, if I don't have this, I'm in trouble. Whatever that thing is, you're not going to have it all alone. God's going to use people somehow to help you get what you need. And he is going to use you to interact in that miracle. With this woman, 
it was her interaction of giving a little of her last to the prophet. A little of her last. A little cake, a big cake, her last cake, did it matter? It really didn't matter physically. But God was knocking on the door of that woman's heart and mind. And he was waiting for her to answer. And if the answer was, no way, are you crazy? I'm in enough trouble as it is. Look what your God has done to us. Look at this famine. Look at this. Or she could have said, wait a minute. I know who this guy is. He's, he's the miracle prophet. And if he's visiting me and he's asking me for something, then chances are really good that I'm looking, on a, I'm looking at a key that's going to open a door and something cool is going to happen. So I can look at this opportunity to give him a cake as a key that opens a door of a miracle, or I can look at it as a mockery of my need. Just want to leave that sit for a moment. In all my years of ministry, I don't know how many times I've seen people get to that place where we're a victim. We have need. And we say, listen, God has an answer for you. And, and it, there's so much anger, so much built up prejudice against working with God. Well, it didn't work when I tried before, or I did this and this didn't work out. Just realize a miracle for you doesn't just involve you. It involves other people. Maybe the door for your special thing is to forgive the people who've hurt you. Maybe the door for you to be provided for is for you to give, even when it doesn't seem that you've got anything extra to give. Maybe the door for your miracle, your, the answer you seek is to break out of your victim status and find somebody who needs something more than you do and go to them and offer them what they need, even though your own heart's screaming to be, have its need met. I'm telling you that a miracle for us is not just a miracle for us. It involves others. And it always involves us changing our mentality. That's the miracle in us. The miracle for us was every morning, wouldn't you just like to see that? Every morning reaching into that barrel that was empty when Elijah came and month after month after month, every day reaching in there and out comes flour. And every day pouring out the oil and every day there's more oil. And one day Elijah said, gotta go. Going up to Mount Carmel where this all started. And there he prayed. God sent rain on the land. Would you stand with me tonight? Why this story? Because if we want to, if we want to have some neat things happen in our life, it doesn't have to be a miracle just like this. If we want to have really neat God things happen in our life, we're going to have to be all in. Elijah was all in. The widow was all in. To think that this didn't, that this happened without emotional duress and there was, oh, not true. Everything on the table. Here's my last. Here's my all. I give it to you, God. 
Would you join me in prayer tonight? Jesus, I pray tonight that you help us, like this widow and like your prophet, to be all in. I pray that you help us to see our part in the working of your miracles in our lives. Help us to see who we should help, what we should give, what we should do. Help those of us here who have done the right thing for a long time and wonder why it's not better to realize that this is not the end of the journey. This is the process. And one day people will look back and tell the story. I ask you to help us in Jesus name and with your heads bowed tonight, if you're here and you would like to cross that line in your life where you're saying, I want Jesus to come into my life. I, it's a decision you must make. I call it a line to be crossed only because it's a decision you must make yourself. Coming to church is great. Singing is great. Reading your Bible is great, but to look at what Jesus Christ has done for you and to accept him into your life to be your savior. That's the line for you to cross. How many of you tonight would say, I wanna do that. I want Jesus in my life and I wanna welcome him. And I wanna pray right now tonight and welcome Jesus into my life. Would you raise your hand if that's you? We'd love to pray with you, welcome him into your life with you. So tonight as you go forth, I want you to be provoked a little bit to think about what is it that we really need from God? What's, what's gonna be my part? Not just wait for him to do something. What is it you can do? May God bless you. You may be dismissed tonight in Jesus' name. If you would like prayer for something tonight, please come forward. We'll have people at our altar. We'd love to pray for you. Thank you.